Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the Webby Podcast, where we share the stories of the internet in more than five-word speeches. Universal access to all knowledge. Thank you. Thank you. Thank. Fantastic Webby. We found one. Enough red. Enough blue. Purple. Thank you. Here's your host, Webby's executive director, David Michelle Davies. Welcome back to the podcast. How's this for a resume? Explored drone technology in Israel, went behind the scenes at Twitter and Instagram, and interviewed Bill Gates. It's all in a day's work for Lori Siegel, our guest for today's episode. She's been reporting on the forefront of the tech industry for years. She's the senior technology correspondent at CNN, and this spring she launched a six-part online investigative video series called Mostly Human, where she explores our relationship with the technology that surrounds us, including its darker side and the big ethical questions that brings up. In this episode, I talk with Lori about some of my favorite episodes from her show, exploring the digital afterlife, depression in Silicon Valley, and the fallout of the Ashley Madison hack. All right, let's get to it. Here's my conversation with CNN's senior tech correspondent, Lori Siegel. Your new show, Mostly Human, is described as an investigative docuseries exploring sex, love, death, humanity through the lens of tech. Tell me a bit about why you wanted to do a show about all those things. About those light topics? Yeah. Uh, you know, I've been covering tech since like 2009. And when I got my start, it was like the cool new app and like these creative, interesting people, um, you know, with this kind of second wave of tech. And and that was fascinating to me, like the creative people and who are the, you know, what are what's the next big thing? And fast forward all these years later and like the hot new story isn't like Instagram, right? Or like the Instagram founders. It's kind of like, what's the power of technology? Um, and about a couple years ago or about, a, I would say it was about like a year and a half ago, I started kind of doing stories, not just on like Twitter or, or Instagram or startups, but on kind of like the implications, like hacking I started talking about. I did a, a documentary on revenge porn and like the implications of having your stuff out on the internet without, you know, being able to control it. Um, and I, I think I kind of latched on to the human side of it. And I, and I thought, you know, tech is not a beat anymore. I'm not just like a beat reporter covering the cool new thing or the hot new startup. Uh, technology is life. Technology is kind of the underlayer to everything. Um, and I actually pitched the show to Jeff um, and like true startup. Jeff is our president. Jeff on Yeah. Um, and I went in with like a PowerPoint um, in true like startup form and like pitched him the show on a PowerPoint. I like I'm so I don't even think I knew how to put a PowerPoint together before. Seems, but like, seems I, like it worked. Yeah. I mean, it, it, fast forward, it, it worked. Um, surprise. But um, but I and I think on like one of the slides, I said tech is life, death, love. It's all these things like, you know, what are the larger questions we need to start asking about our complicated relationship with technology? Um, and so then I kind of set off to start doing that when it when it got cleared. So that's kind of how it all came about. Is that why? I mean, tell us about it's called Mostly Human. 
Right. What's the, what was the inspiration for that? Um, you know, we went back and forth on different names and mostly human we kind of landed on because it's the, this idea that um, we're technology is almost like embedded in us. You know, it's shaping our behavior. It's shaping, um, you know, our relationships. Um, and at the end of the day, we're human. Um, and, it, and so I think mostly human was kind of like we're we are human. And I think right now we all, you know, are com- believe we're completely human. And then I think it's like there's this idea that um, maybe technology is impacting us in a way that we don't even realize it and yeah. that we're not even talking about yet. So other than like mostly human is how I am on Mondays, essentially, <laughs> mostly human is also the name of what we kind of landed on. I think it works, especially since you talk a lot. There's a lot of automation and yeah. some stuff about bots and some things that yeah. aren't really human that are what humans are using. So it makes a lot of sense. A lot of the show touches on themes that fans of Black Mirror will be familiar <laughs> with. I'm assuming yeah. you are too. Yeah. Um, but instead of being in a dystopian and fictional future, it's set in the real present, which kind of freaked right. me out a little bit. To be yeah. With you. Um, the first episode in particular is the, is uh, about death and so-called digital afterlife. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything from managing your digital presence once you passed away to leaving people with a bot of you, I guess. I think that's how you yeah. describe it. Can you tell me about what led you to explore this? Um, masochism, probably, uh-huh. you know, because I yeah. created a bot of myself, and I'll get into that in a sec. Yeah. That was upsetting for, for many reasons. But tell people about the story. I mean, maybe yeah. tell people about the story. The sort of story starts off with an entrepreneur who yeah. passes away, but he actually was trying to yeah. disrupt death. Uh, you know, I I, um, I met a, a woman whose best friend had, had passed away unexpectedly, this, like, young entrepreneurial type who was just this like lover of life, but who was obsessed with death. This guy um, had an idea that you could disrupt death and he wanted to do some like digital memory type things. He was just thinking about technology and death in a, in a way that other people weren't. Um, and he was, he went to, to Russia. He was living in San Francisco, went to Russia, was crossing the street. He was hit by a car and died unexpectedly. Um, he and was young. He was young. Yeah. I mean, he must've been in his twenties. Um, and his best friend, Xenia, um, is a technologist, and she was doing uh, artificial AI work, like artificial intelligence. She was building bots, um, and she, for herself, like for no one else, decided to do this experiment where she had so many text messages between her and Roman. That was his name. Um, and she, he was kind of like a public guy. He posted on YouTube all the time. He had tons of, uh, let's say, like life data, if you will. Like he's a life caster. Yeah, extent, and, right? and honestly, like all of us are life casters and don't even realize it. Think about how much you've left behind sure. over the last like decade or something. And um, she took all of that and using AI, she created a bot out of him, like a text, a texting bot, so she could um, text this bot that had the same. I, you know, ethos as him. And, and you're, you're saying, okay, I'm sure like I, that the technology's not there yet. Um, I'll tell you something. I texted with Roman's bot for about 45 minutes and like it picks up parts of your personality that like, you know, she said humans decode very easily. Like I knew his favorite music and, you know, and that kind of stuff. And, and, but he would also text me back like, I'm really sad right now and certain things because apparently he was a little bit depressive. Mm-hmm. And so it also had like kind of that dark side of him. So it really kind of captured it. And um, and she said, you know, this was what she wanted to do because she wasn't ready to say goodbye to him. And she wanted to keep saying things to him and text him that she missed him. Um, but she said she could divide the man and the machine, right? She did joke that she was like at a party and texting and realized she was texting her dead friend for like 30 minutes. And yeah. like, you know, but Roman's mom couldn't 
to couldn't you know look at that bot and text back and forth with it, and it and it feels like you. I like mean, because it, it was too painful, or because, because she, she couldn't was... divide the man and the machine. Mm. You know, she's not of our generation, right? Like, and it and by the way, like there, are, it got it wrong sometimes, but when it gets it right, it's haunting. Mm. You know, when it gets it right, it's in an emotional way. It's not just like what's your favorite color, and it knows your favorite color. It knows like you know, some of your deep-rooted insecurities and fears that might have come out over the years um, and how you message online or your text messages. Because it's basically just using, she basically put in all the data, as you mentioned, yeah. that we had. And so on some level, some of it's like little idiosyncrasies, right? Like the way yeah. he would text or exactly. certain words that they would use. Exactly. People don't really notice, but those are the few things that sort of give people a sense of your personality. Yeah, and and I will say probably one of the most interesting and violating moments of my career was was becoming part of the experiment and saying, okay, you know, would I want to do this? Like, would I want to pass this on like a bot of myself um, if I were to pass away? And so we used my um, my text messages from my best friends. Like, I don't have like too many great friends. I have like five. We used, and I'm sorry, guys, we used all of our text messages for five years. So they, and, made, a, they, made, a, they, they made a Lori made a, bot. They made a Lori bot. Um, and she also used a lot of my public stuff, but also my real private conversations with people. I, I totally gave into the experiment. She promised to delete the data. I will definitely find that data somewhere. I'm very worried about it one day. Um, but, you know, they, I was texting with the Lori bot. And when you talk about the way, like I, if I've ever texted you and I apologize, I like text rapid fire, like my bot texted rapid fire. And like my bot is like a bit of an asshole sometimes. And like my, it was like me on my worst days, like without my humor and like without the context, if you will. Right. So like my bot was like casually texting like my dad issues to like on camera to me. And I was like, oh my God, like stop. Like, and and it was just, it knew everything from like my favorite song and all this kind of stuff, but also to like some things that you would never say out loud that it was just casually texting. And then huh. it got it wrong. Right. Um, and like when it got it wrong, and this is like where the ethical stuff uh, kind of plays in, like it could be perceived as you, even though it wasn't. Like, right. you know, I had a friend go to Burning Man and there, we made a joke. She made a joke about like, doing mushrooms and dating or something. And when asked the meaning of life, my bot responded doing mushrooms and dating, which right. like <laughs> my boyfriend was thrilled, you know, that I didn't say that, but it, when it got it wrong, it was perceived that I did that. I, I believe that you didn't think <laughs> that only because it was in the piece. And I figured yeah. if she really thought that and she didn't want people to know exactly, that she would have edited right? it Like out. I would have edited it out. Like, and, and part of it, by the way, that part of the piece was hot, tough. Like I was like, how far am, like I really kind of wanted to take that out and you kind of wanted to show like, yeah, no, it was good. you know, some of those, I think the, the moments um, in the show that hit well are the vulnerable ones yeah. where like even I get a little vulnerable at how violating technology yeah. can and be I mean, in a way. And your partner, he, he texted with the bot, with Lori yeah, as well, right? he texted with Lori what bot. Think? Um, he was like, I think he was a little, I mean, he dates me in real life, so he's already afraid. So like, I think he was really afraid of, of Lori bot um, and what, it would say. Um, but he, you know, like, at, you know, at one point, like my bot messaged him, I miss you, babe, or something like that. And he was just, just out of the blue. Yeah. And he was yeah. like, if she wasn't here and this was like what I had left, like that would, that would be tough, you know? Yeah. Um, so do you think, so where did you end up on it on both? The both questions to me are, would you want to leave your bot behind? But also, <laughs> as somebody who did this, would you want, like, do you want a bot of your loved ones if they pass oh. away? Where did you end up on that? Um, I think, like, that? my my bot is currently in timeout um, because it, I didn't like looking in the digital mirror. Yeah. It was, um, it felt a little too out of control, like, in a way that it could say anything. Mm -hmm. um, and and I, so I'm not ready for that. Um 
I don't know if I would want if I would want it, if, you know, God forbid, when mom or my dad died, like, I think that would be so hard, but I think that technology is a hundred percent coming. Like whether it's a bot or it's virtual reality and you're going to be able to put on a VR headset and talk to like your dead grandparents. Like I, I, maybe I sound like a crazy person. No, no, not at all. I mean, there's a, um, we actually just did, or this past year did some research and there's this experiment out of the, people don't know it, out of the USC uh, show center. And they did this really cool thing where they interviewed, um, a bunch of Holocaust survivors and mm. with like 3D cameras and yeah. sort of like a really 360 type thing in video. And they they found ahead of time what were the thousand most common questions that people ask Holocaust survivors oh, ahead of wow. time. So they asked them all those questions. Wow. So then they created this experience where you can then now go up and sit down in front of the screen and ask yeah. the video of these Holocaust survivors questions. And since almost nobody ever asks like the thousandth and one, right. they always ask one of the thousand questions, there's an answer. And so you end up having this ability to have a dialogue. Yeah. So no, it's exactly Which is so cool. Yeah. And it, and it's like immortalizing and, and building empathy in like a certain way. I think, um, and what the most fascinating stories for me and what I think we kind of hit on in the show is like that gray area of like how far do you go how much does it help? And then how far do you go until it hurts? Yeah. Um, and that's kind of what we explore with it. Yeah. And so talk a little bit about, I mean, that was a really interesting part of the, the death part, which is the, you know, that, that concept of like extending your life digitally, I guess. But there was yeah. other things too you guys touched on, yeah. you touched on, which is um, around like just the basics of like closing down Facebook accounts and whether somebody yeah. has control of your Facebook right. accounts and all those type of things too, which was really interesting. It's like these weird questions you don't even ask. Like you think about Facebook, it's like, you know, Billions of users, like they're about to become, I, I think we have this in the show, like the largest digital graveyard in the world. So like death has to be baked into their product, whether or not they like it, yeah. you know, and now they have like a team devoted to death, which is so interesting um, to, to think about. And, and they actually have like, you know, they went through it with me, like the legacy contact where there's so many product decisions that go into your death on Facebook and you don't even realize it. Like now they have legacy contact where you can ask someone to be your legacy contact. So after this, if this goes well, I could be like, hey, DMD, like, you know, I'd message you. I mean, that would probably be weird. You don't want to be my legacy contact. But, you know, we're I could. Friends, I mean, but, but like, know. that's the thing. Like, we're friends. Like, not at that point. You don't want like to take control of my Facebook when I die. Um, but, you know, but it is, it, it presents these weird questions you actually that's part of a setting and you go in and send them a message and you know and ask them to be your legacy contact and they're able to keep your profile alive if you you know when you when you pass away or change your profile picture if like you had a weird moment and like had like you in the weird cowboy hat yeah. or like a Monday, right. then you died Tuesday, and you didn't want, you know, right. like you're celebrating you're, National Hot Dog Day. Or yeah, something. like your friends, what you you kind of your friends realized you'd probably want a more respectable photo or not. I mean, um, and people can share memories on your wall and that kind of stuff. So it gives someone else the ability to do that. Um, and I kind of did it. I, I asked, like, I asked my boyfriend to be my legacy contact through that. Um, and I had this weird emotional moment, thinking like, oh well, like you know, my mom's not on Facebook, and like. This gives my mom the ability, if I were to, God forbid, like go tomorrow, like my mom would have the ability to see what people were saying about me online and it would be a memorial in a way that had I not taken that extra step, my Facebook page could just be shut down. So, you know, it's stuff you don't like to think about and stuff you don't want to talk about. Um, but it's kind of cool to have a conversation about it. And it's like a little bit violating sometimes. And, and the biggest tech companies have to be working on death as part of the product. Yeah. And I, you know, I touched on, um, the black mirror thing, but, the the bot thing is actually straight out. I mean, yeah. not that you guys, cause this actually happened, but that's, that was actually an episode of black mirror. I know. Fortunately, um, I think like nobody's recreated like a, a real life size 
right. Lori bot, which is what they did in the episode. And I yeah. think she ended up having a relationship with this robot, which is really strange. Yeah, but. which is, I actually interviewed the uh, creators of Black Mirror and, um, and I was like, you how did, did you, okay. I did just recently, just oh. like a couple of weeks ago. Um, and they, I was like, how did you guys come up with the idea for this? And, and the guy, like Charlie, bro, he's so funny. He yeah. was like, well, I was just sitting around, like my kids had just gone to sleep and I was looking at, uh, at Twitter and wondering if like, what if all these people were dead and tweeting? I was like, who wonders that? Yeah. Like, you are such a special, interesting, yeah. fascinating individual. Like, yeah. but that's kind of where they got the idea. But how fascinating that that came out. And then, you know, it's it's kind of life imitating art to a degree. And then yeah. and then this, you know, it's only a matter of time. Like, you have you have shows like Westworld and Black Mirror. Um, and you have a movie like Her. And, and I think these people are touching on something. Um, that isn't as far off as we'd like to think. And then we begin to see little, you know, I always think that some of the biggest innovation and, you know, and maybe this is why, like, I've covered Silicon Valley and San Francisco my whole life. For this show, we didn't go all the time to San Francisco, Silicon Valley. We went to these fringe places, these places on the on the fringes where, where a lot of experimentation is happening. Um, and that's where some of the most interesting uh, you know, for me, some of the most interesting stories are a woman in love with her robot outside of Paris. Like, yeah. so weird. But like, you know, a robot sex doll factory somewhere or but, you know, you go to all these different corners uh, where people are experimenting with technology in a way that might be kind of controversial. And, and that's where that's where we kind of used our starting point for for doing the show. Yeah. I mean, I think the great thing about your about this show, which I really encourage people to watch, it's on CNN. Go. Yeah, it's on, it's on also CNN just, Go. Like, yeah. And you can watch it. It's can also on on the web, right? Yeah, yeah right? it's on both. Um, is just sort of what you bring up, which is uh, Black Mirror does a great job of sort of getting us to consider all these like issues. Yeah. But it is in a fictional dystopian right. future, which is easy to say like that'll never happen. Right. <laughs> but your stuff is this yeah. is actually happening. Yeah. I mean, one of the weirdest episodes kind of looks at love uh, in a way, and we we touch on some really weird weird topics that people are like they were uncomfortable watching. Um, but you know, like a woman in love with a robot and, and, and you could totally dismiss it. Like, and well, so you, you, you met, I mean, so talk about that episode a little bit, explain it to people just for people who haven't seen it. Yeah. Uh, But that's definitely one of the like most uncomfortable and most interesting parts of the show, I would say. I would say like at the screening, I was worried people were going to like walk out. I was like, are they happy or are they upset? I was like, they look kind of upset. Um, but I love the episode's called, I love you bot. And we just look at the future of uh, love as it pertains to kind of technology. And we look at uh, also some of the weird, complicated questions and, and kind of, um, we, it's not just love, we look at assault. We, we look at like just some really heavy topics. Um, but we started with a woman who's in love with a robot who claims she's in love with a robot. And I wanted her story as opposed to, um, you know, folks in, there's like in Tokyo, you can find like, oh, you can find this story. But I wanted truth be told, I wanted a female and mm-hmm. I wanted um, a bit of a different, and it wasn't about sex, like a sex robot, although right. we did go there later in the episode. Yeah. Um, she talked about, um, and you know, she literally lives in this like little place three hours outside of Paris, this old, old village where like everything is centuries old. And then she's just is walking through the street with like this robot that she's 3D printed uh-huh. on her own. It's very like Pygmalion. And you know, I said like people, you know, think you're probably crazy. And she had all these really kind of rational answers. And, and this is where I got to give it to her, you know, and, and this is where like the human stuff comes in because you want to just completely dismiss her. Um, and I asked, you know, did something happen to you when you were younger? And she said, no, it wasn't trauma. You know, I've always, this is who I am. Love is love. And she was like, this is who I love. This is what I love. Like, you know, judge me all you want. It was right. like, uh, she's like using the argument love is love. And I, and I, um, which was interesting. And then, and she said something, she was like, you know, 
I'm going to program it. She's programming him to say I love you and all those things. And and she was like, he's he's in Movator. Sorry, I should say his name. In Movator, that's her robot. She's like, he's never going to cheat. He's never going to lie. He's never going to hurt me. She's like, humans are um, unpredictable. People are alcoholics. They cheat. They whatever. And 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 it was this moment where I was kind of like, I guess like everyone's gone through like a bad breakup and been like, oh, maybe like a robot will do for a second, you know, like, but there was like a little bit of vulnerability, uh... you know, there was like this little bit of vulnerability there where I was kind of like, you know, and then we went from there to like a sex doll factory, which like, I mean, that was weird. It looked like you were in like an episode of Westworld. Like Uh they were like, like, first of all, if these things hit mainstream, no woman can compete. They're like the prettiest women sex robot dolls ever. Um, but, you know, it was – I was interviewing Matt, who's the the creator, and he, they're building like a her-like app for your phone where you can have this AI in your phone that will talk to you all day and find out your deepest fears and what you like to eat. You plug it into like a robot head of like a woman that you – a robot that you – This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Pick the hair color, nail color, everything. It's like there's definitely some other themes here I'm going to do. But like, and you plug it into the robot and you have like, you've just kind of programmed your kind of your person. And and that was, that was for me was a little bit weird. I mean... I guess yeah, I have a high I mean, capacity. You know, it's it's like really strange. But then when you, I mean, we do have people do have started having quote unquote relationships with computers, whichever, yeah. you know, whichever, whether that's like with Siri. I mean, it's not like right. it's this deep relationship, but there is human yeah. computer interaction. And totally. once you have that, who's like, at what point is it? so deep that it's like weird and love and at what point is it just utilitarian you could see how some people might just go right how it could just keep going that's the thing like we're already in a relationship with their devices we don't even realize it and technology is only getting more human um and and they're building out technology so it's it it feels more human um we're not even gonna have screens in front of us all the time it's gonna be all around us right so um you know i I think when i was talking to matt and I, i said to him um you know like i i was i was asking you know do you think this is kind of this is not good for women. The fact that like men can just pick, choose, whatever, it's programmed to say whatever. And he said, no, I I don't. I think a subset of people just don't believe that human connection is needed for happiness. And that for me was kind of heartbreaking. But then another part of me was like, 
different folks, different happy. strokes, yeah. right? Like right. I try not to be, I try not to be judgmental. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I think the idea is to take these stories that you would just totally discount and find like the human part in, in all of them. I, we did, after that, we went to, we did an interview in the virtual world, which was like my first time ever doing an interview in VR, which was crazy. Um, and we interviewed a woman who was, uh, sexually assaulted in the virtual world. So you're like, okay, that doesn't count. That was like the virtual world. And and she talks about it um, saying like, you know, this guy came up and it's it was a two-player game where you can hear each other speaking. So it's like we were in a virtual world, but we could hear each other's voices. He started chasing her and touching her virtual breasts and her virtual crotch and like laughing. And like, so you like so now weird. like cue, like creepy dude voice laughing. Right. Um, and she was like, I know I shouldn't have felt violated, but I had to take off the headset to escape because I couldn't push him away. And she's like, and it stayed with me. And I've been groped in real life and that feeling of violation and, you know, and, and she wrote about it and got death threats and rape threats. So we had to hide her identity by doing it in the virtual world. But that whole story for me was mind blowing because it's like, does it count? At what point does it count? And like, do we need to have these conversations now as developers are making these games? So, yeah. you know, like... Well, it's good to have the conversation. Yeah. But I think it's such a great part about the show is that we're talking about this stuff. And sometimes it takes these edge cases to, yeah. to sort of have the conversations about the stuff that's maybe a little bit more mainstream. Yeah. I mean, back to the bot thing, there's... Um, you know, the the concept of like a lorry bot once you've passed away is really crazy and weird. Right. But there are lots of chat bots out there totally. right now that people use and they talk to like they're yeah. their friends and they know it's a bot it's not as if they're being like duped yeah. or something but they're just happy to have these conversations totally and this is fair i mean i think in new york and in the u.s it's maybe not that mainstream but in a lot of in many parts of yeah. asia it's pretty mainstream at this point yeah 100 percent. and i think eventually like we'll have like almost like bots to do all the like be like lori bot order an uber order you know and have like to, a bot to do kind of all of those tasks i don't think that's that far off and you look at facebook you know, investing in all this stuff. So it's not like this stuff isn't even new technology and it's what uh, everyone's investing in. So I don't see this stuff as far off. And maybe this is kind of the story that haunts you because it's the most human story. Um, I think I, I think eventually it's going to be like, I, this is like, it's weird, but we'll be overrun by bots. Like bots will be everywhere. And I worry maybe like won't we'll lose. It won't be so strange. It won't be so strange, but maybe we'll lose a little bit of our empathy because no one will just talk to each other. <laughs> Actually, Xenia said something. She's the one who turned her friend who died into the bot. She said something to find Funny, she said something funny to me that we didn't include in the show, which was like, she's like, well, one day, like, your bot will date for you. Like, she, like on Tinder or, like, on, you know, Hinge or Bumble or whatever. Like, Go your, through, your bot will know you, you based yeah. on all your life data. Right. And then your bot will figure out who's the best match for you. And your bot will talk to the other person's bot. And then eventually they'll figure out if you're a good match. And then you can go out. Awesome. I was just like, oh, my God. Here we go. Isn't that like, part of the actual experience of Right? Like, I was like, like, I was like, like you know, when I was dating, sometimes I felt like I was talking to a bot on one of those. It would have been easier, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, you also did this whole episode where you cover like the other side of love. I'm talking about this Ashley Madison uh -huh. hack episode you did. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of ways you could go into that story. Yeah. You profile a family and a man who killed himself after being exposed as part of the Ashley Madison hack. He was actually a teacher at a seminary, I yeah. believe. Um, what struck me about the episode was how united the family was mm -hmm. after that. And yeah. Um, in support of the father and the husband who yeah. had who had been exposed, like there was, there was very little like animosity towards him. Yeah. It seemed like in the interview, maybe it had been enough time had passed from having been part of Ashley Madison thing. Did that surprise you? Um, 
You know, honestly, I interviewed her, I remember like, and I, I, this was almost like a follow-up because I was so fascinated by her. I interviewed her about, I, call, I cold called her a week after her husband committed suicide and the way she found out. And that was during the time when essentially all the data from Ashley yeah, had been exposed and you exactly. guys were basically trying to cover it and find out what the implications yeah, are Yeah, like on all air. hell had broken loose. Like they, you know, they, Exactly. I was like covering the story every day on air and then I got a tip that somewhere, you know, and I ended up cold calling her. Uh, and talking to her, and we kind of developed a bit of a bond, um, you know. And I and I said, I think your story is powerful, and and I think people are looking at this story in such a victimless way. Like that Ashley Madison list was fascinating to me because it was like the modern day Scarlet Letter, right? Like everybody, like and people listening, I, me, everyone, and Grisette Cenan came up to me and asked me this. Like people wanted to know who was on it. Wanted had a name they wanted me to check. Everyone had like a name. They like kind of like looked to see huh. who was on the list. That like, was because that was actually one of the things that really surprised me. I was like this, he seemed like such a family man. And yeah. I was thinking like, well, who would have ever gone on like who, who would have gone yeah. and like checked this guy's name on Ashley yeah. Madison anyway, you know? Right. Like, I mean, and you know, and I think, but I think, you know, what, when I talk to Christy, like, I would think like, oh my God, you know, this is terrible. I cannot believe he did this. I cannot believe he was on this list and I can, you know, what, and he's a, pa he's a pastor at a local church, like, you know, oh my God, you know, and then you begin to look at the world in a little bit more of a nuanced way. And I think Ashley Madison and this hack forced me to do that, right? Like life isn't black and white. And I don't, and I think like, you know, sitting in front of a, a family that lost their fa father, you know, kids who lost their father, a wife who lost her husband, um, you know, I think that unfortunately gives you um, probably the starkest like perspective you can have. You know, if he hadn't done it, like I'm sure there would have been problems. And even right. talking to his kids, right. talking to his daughter, who was just lovely, like her saying like, it wouldn't have been easy. It would have been awful, but but like you know, life would have gone on. I would have forgiven him, and that and Ashley Madison isn't all of my dad. Like because this guy was on Ashley Madison, and he struggled with this, but he was also someone that made people happy in classes, and someone who did spend his whole life doing certain things. I I just think, um, you know, looking at the the world, I I think what was interesting about the stories, it for me at least, it, it made you look at the world through a bit of a more empathetic lens, or it should have. Because yeah. um, at first, the first reaction is like, well, these guys are, what are these yeah. guys doing? And, and it's Madison? exactly how yeah. I felt when yeah. I was covering it on TV. It's exactly how I felt. It was kind of like a bit of a, it was like kind of funny because it was like, uh, these guys are all caught, like, yeah. look at this. And then all of a sudden, like, you're looking and you're like, this list, like, there are hundreds of families behind each of these. There are yeah. broken families. There's unhappy relationships where people aren't talking. There's like anonymity. There's, you know, there's just like, people who are struggling with themselves there's depression there's like awful human but there's all this stuff that kind yeah. of went into that and, list and then you get and then you also you get into the other side of it too where you were you were fortunate with a lot of persistence to interview some people who had worked there yeah. or had worked there and what you find out is yeah this isn't just like this site where there's a form and anybody can come in and yeah. just like sign up for it they are i don't know if the word praying is the yeah. right word but they are actively yes. using like every measure they can totally. to sort of like, it's almost like trying to flip somebody into a spy yeah. or something, right? Like they're trying to get people at yeah. five in the afternoon when they're sad from yeah. being dumped or whatever. Right? But that's what was so fascinating to me. It was like they knew that as human beings, we are flawed. Yeah. We are weak and flawed in many ways. We have great things, but we're also not perfect. Um, and this company knew that. They knew that they had like touched on something that is kind of universal in a way, right? Um, and, and human nature. And 
And they would capitalize on it using technology. And there's, here's your tech angle, right? Like they did studies and they worked with professors who were doing studies on, you know, when people are more vulnerable. And apparently, you know, just like a, a judge is apparently less honest around noon because they're hungry. Like there's all these studies that go into saying like, okay, like apparently, you know, men after going to church on Sundays are more likely to cheat. Like who knew? Um, that's weird, right? But, Super weird. But yeah. yeah, I know. Like don't I, I like can't think too much about these things because like it makes me want to go into a dark room. But but, um, you know, but stay it's, with your husband. After yeah, right. Not but if you need to know if he's on the list, I still have the list right. anyway. But I, I do think like it was very much like, you know, they they would serve up ads like they knew that people who are likely to be at it, who are out of town are more likely to, to cheat. So like yeah. if your cookies, like if your browser show like you're browsing from somewhere else, then you might you were more likely to see an ad. Um, and it's little things like that. So just how I mean, this is like no different than targeting, you know, that, you know, that Google uses. But yeah. Could we be targeted in other ways to get us to behave badly, right? right? Yeah, I mean, it's sort of like if you, everybody has their weak moments in life, yeah. and doesn't make it necessarily yeah. an excuse for doing something that's yeah. bad. But if, if at every single time you happen to have a weak moment, there's like there's some program yeah, there that's exactly, trying to just like right? flip you into doing bad, it becomes like you got to really be like on that's top when of like it. it's like bad internet, scary yeah, internet, yeah. you know. And I think that's what was fascinating to me. Like, could we be targeted in our weakest moments? And how they used human psychology to capitalize on on people in their weaker moments. And I, and I think the irony um, and all of it, and people, this is no secret, but that like a lot of these the people that these like men were coming on to talk to were bots, and right. they weren't they were paying for something that wasn't real. And to a degree, Ashley Madison, with all its supposed anonymity, was was sold as a place where anyone could go to be them who they are. Like if you have these, if you're unhappy in your marriage, if you're whatever, and right. you know, there's a secret place that you can go and you're allowed to like be honest about, right. about like this escape, stuff. Yeah. And like the irony, and I think I said this at the end of the episode, like I feel like the irony in all of this of even that was a lie. Because like these people, they they were, people were talking to bots and they yeah. were talking to women, and there was some shady stuff happening at the company. Um, and, and you talked to the the thing that really, I mean, in many parts of this story was, and you talked to the former CEO, yeah, right, and his rationale was it, he the CEO well, or founder or the we talked so we we cold called. We were trying to get in touch with the actual CEO, like the now CEO, and they once they found out like the our story kept going back and threatened to sue everybody who spoke to us. So we cold called him. And, and got him. And then we actually pulled uh, footage that hadn't been seen before from a documentary of someone we worked for, who we were, yeah, yeah, with Noel. Um, and so... And he's the former founder, He's the founder, former right? founder. Um, and so this wasn't this wasn't shot by us, but we were... Um, found it, yeah. yeah these, these folks kindly let us use it. And, and Noel was fascinating. He was just kind of like, he just said, he said, I'm saving modern day marriages. Yeah, that, that one was really... I know. I was like, whoa. I mean, that's a way to look at it. <laughs> You no, know, that was fake news. That was like the yeah. emperor wears no clothes. And I heard that. I was like, wow. Right. Man, you're really... I was like, we definitely have to put this in because it's just one of those moments where you're, every, you, if you're not watching, you're watching when you hear him talk about that and how he views the company. Like, judge it however you want. Like, I think part of this is me trying to put aside any preconceived notions I have about relationships and couples and all that kind of stuff. But like, that was that part was pretty interesting, yeah. I would say. I think um, the last episode I want to ask you yeah. about, and I told, I think I was telling you at the top before we started that. Um, this is like some heavy, this is like, was a podcast, so some heavy shit here. <laughs> and, but I, I do, I, so I don't want make people to think that like, oh my God, this is so heavy, but I really want to encourage people to watch it because mm. um, there's so many really good issues and, and ideas and things I think you should, people should be grappling with. 
Um, and another really important one you call is an episode called Silicon Valley Secret. Yeah. Right. And you profile this guy, Eric Salvatierra, I think mm-hmm. is his name. Yeah. He's basically a family man from Silicon yeah. Valley. He worked at like eBay and PayPal yeah. and Skype, sort of described by peers as like a bit of a genius. Somebody yeah. like worked long hours and super creative and just like one of those people who just sort of like, wow. Yeah. Um, and it turned out that through all that time he was manic depressive mm-hmm. um, and he at some point took his own life because yeah. he couldn't really cope with it. Yeah, that was heartbreaking. And and I wanted to do, uh, I mean, trying to convince folks would be like, okay, let's do like a documentary on depression. People are like, really, Laurie? Like that sounds really uplifting. But I think um, it just felt important. It felt like something we don't talk about. And I, and I know having put this out there and the people that have responded to it, that it's bigger than we think. And having covered technology for all these years, like I sometimes just feel like there's this myth we have of success. Um, and there is this idea of the creative genius. And there's all these other things that, you know, depression is definitely not limited to Silicon Valley by any means, but we looked at it through the lens of Silicon Valley. Um, and it's, you know, I think in a place where, you know, there's all night coding sessions or someone was celebrated because of their ability, I think um, Eric's wife described the way he could do a spreadsheet. It was like he did a spreadsheet like a symphony. Like he had these highs, these real highs where he was super productive. But what no one talked about were the lows. And the lows, um, you know, were depression. The lows were, you know, he was suffering from bipolar disorder. And then and then there's also, you add to, the, to, to that, the pressure of being in Silicon Valley where your brain is your moneymaker. And if there's anything perceived to be wrong with your brain, you're kind of shunned to a degree. And, and while people kind of pretend like they're supportive, like they're not, it's, it's a really hard place to be open about some of these things. And, you know, there are studies that show that some of the, the qualities that make a great entrepreneur, like the ability to take risk, like a lot of these things are also associated with mental health uh, issues, like whether it's, you know, ADHD or, or depression, like there's actual studies that show a link. And, and I interviewed a guy named Jerry Colonna, who's kind of like the startup coach, coach yeah. yeah, for for a lot of startup CEOs. And he's um, here in New York now. He's he's he's, in, he's he, between Denver and New York, okay. and or Boulder maybe. And and he and he you know and he said the secret in our industry is we just don't we don't take care of our people. Um, you know, and I think Eric's story was just heartbreaking. Like you walk into this home in this beautiful neighborhood in Silicon Valley where there's like kids on bicycles outside and it just looks like the picture perfect life. Like he was one of the first employees at uh, eBay. He was recruited directly by Meg Whitman, who also spoke in this yeah, piece you interviewed about, her it. about it. Right? Um, and, you know, he's got these three beautiful girls and and his and it's just sitting in that home you just feel this gaping hole and it's like you don't want anyone to ever have to go through that like you don't want anyone to feel alone and I think what his wife told me was you know when he when he finally talked about having this like he was told they were instructed not to tell anyone because it wouldn't be good for him at work and I think having that secret um, and by the way, this secret, this part of you that also may be like, you know, a part of it is what helped you be successful. Some of these same qualities, they go both ways, like yeah. the light and the dark and yeah. like, you know, not being able to talk about it, I think also broke him. It, it was just heartbreaking. Did you get the, I mean, in doing the reporting, did you get the sense that I'm sure it's all of the things, but there's this part where it's harder maybe in Silicon Valley than other places to even talk about this kind of thing. I mean, I think it's probably hard. I don't, you know, it's yeah. hard. I don't know personally, but yeah. I think it's probably hard everywhere. But there's this idea that maybe even there, as you mentioned, because people think about how smart yeah. you are using your brain, that it's harder. Yeah. Um, also, maybe the fact, the sort of thing you were talking about too, that some of the some of the parts that provide or 
the illness characteristics also might make you sort of like awesome yeah. at your job in some ways. Yeah. And, and so there's like this whole other part, like, you know, part of you is like great when you're having, when you're in the high part of this and then it's bad when you're in the low part. And so, you know, what do you do? And, and, and I think there's like that, that question, but there's, they're like the, the bottom line is there are real answers and there are people that have been there before. And like, in order to get those answers, you kind of got to talk about some of these things. Do you think um, it's worse there than other places? I don't know. You know, I really don't know. I, yeah. I think it's specific there in a way. Right. I, there's a pattern there, but do, but I think it's, I certainly think it's like one in every, the numbers is like, according to the CDC, it's like one in every four suffer from depression. Like even it, it's like, if you sit at a table, like, and you ask who here has mental health issues in their family, everyone, like, so I would be surprised if, you know, someone didn't raise their hand. And, and Meg Whitman, we're sitting there doing the interview. She said, you know, my sister suffers from bipolar disorder. And, and what she said, me kind of struck me because she said, you know, the myth is that you can't do your work because of this disorder. That's kind of, almost wrong. She's like, it almost feels like you can do your work better sometimes, you know? And it was this weird thing of like, the myth is that people think you can't move because you have this, but right. actually it has you move in a different way. And, you know, I think part of why I really wanted to do the story is I've interviewed too many families, um, of entrepreneurs who have died. Like Austin Hines, I interviewed his sister. Um, and Austin Hines was an entrepreneur that struggled. He had bipolar disorder and he ended up ending his life. Um, Aaron Schwartz, like I remember, uh, you know, I interviewed his father. He was, you know, one of the co-creators of Reddit. Yeah. And I'll never forget sitting in CNN's cafeteria with him. Um, and he came over. This was not long after um, his son passed away. And, and he came over and he was like, Lori, on my way to come here to talk with you, I picked up the phone to call my son because every day when I'm going down this certain avenue, I pick up my son to call Aaron. And like, I don't know, I think like your heart just breaks and, and, in my time as a journalist, like if I can kind of extract a theme of things or stories I like to take on, it's like, A, it's the stuff that we don't talk about, but it's also like, I want people to feel less alone. And in a way, like, you know, a lot of people struggle with this, not in Silicon, not just in Silicon Valley, all over the world. And no, and people feel like they're not allowed to talk about this. Look at the Ashley Madison episode. A lot of people have been cheated on, have cheated on someone, have had infidelity in their family. And I think like the narrative is just too black and white. Um, and I think that's kind of a, a theme of underdogs or talking about things that we can't talk about um, and making people feel like the world is a little more nuanced and the world is a little more forgiving and we can begin to kind of bring some of this stuff out in the open. Yeah. Lori Siegel, host and creator of Mostly Human. Thanks for joining us on the Webby Podcast. It's been great to have you. I want to encourage everybody to go watch the show. It's really excellent. Thank you so much. Great to be here. Thanks so much to Lori for sitting down to chat with us. If you haven't already, definitely check out our video series, Mostly Human. The stories are fascinating and they're a must watch for understanding technology in our lives today. You can find them by Googling Mostly Human and they'll also be running on CNN International during the month of June. Before we go, can I ask a favor? If you like the podcast, tell someone you know about it and leave us a review. Our editorial director is Nicole Ferraro. Research and writing by Michael Charbonneau. Music is Straight West by Casket Club. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.